Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Oh, boy. Uh, I just saw something that was so bizarre. God. I don't like it. Uh, I was awakened very early this morning by leaf blowers. Uh, They were in my mother's yard. And uh, she's got a big one. And I've been noticing around here that what everybody does is they blow their leaves. I didn't see one rake the whole time I was here. They blow their leaves to the street. Not quite the street. It's clear they've been told you keep it at the edge of your lawn and don't put it in the street. And then I saw what happens next just a minute ago. This huge truck uh, that looked like an oversized garbage truck comes by and it has this robotic, huge vacuum, I guess, this big, round, robotic thing. And it just starts sucking up every every leaf. That's the, the city does that. I sure as hell hope they do something ecologically sound with all of those leaves. And my mother's yard is now pristine. There is not a leaf to be found. And she said, I like it like that. Well, it's insane. I'm looking out the window now and everything, there's, you know, wouldn't know there was a leaf in the neighborhood. It's insane. Just insane. When I think of the things I want my government to do for me uh, and where my tax dollars should go, a, a, a huge, huge truck with this robotic, robotic, scary looking, uh, it, it was on a, it was flexible and it moved around like a, like a, a like some strange monster. Uh, a vehicle like that designed to, for one time in the year, come out and vacuum leaves is like so not what I would want my tax dollars to go. I'm just saying I am such a obvious um, outlier. I guess I always have been. But God, people are nuts. Excuse me. Okay, there. I'll stop because I know I've done this particular rant so often, but my, okay, stop, stop. Um, okay, I came upon a story today that killed me. It chilled me because it was, because as so many stories do chill me now, because I couldn't really wrap my head around what the reporter was trying to tell me. I literally couldn't comprehend what this story was about, except that it was about a reality that, first of all, doesn't exist yet. And also that I just don't comprehend. Let me, seriously, let me, in case you didn't happen to see this, uh, it's about ink. It's the creation of ink 
that is alive. Okay, right there, I'm starting to get queasy. The ink, ink in a pen, is alive. And it is alive because it is made entirely of E. coli. You know, the stuff that gets in your romaine lettuce and makes you sick. Someone has figured out how to make ink entirely out of these microbes, out of bacterium E. coli. And this ink is, because it is made entirely of microbes, it is alive. We have live ink. I'm trying to comprehend this as I'm sharing this with you. And it says here that this ink flows like toothpaste. So it's not like from a pen. It flows like toothpaste under pressure and can be then put in a printer, a 3D printer, and made into various shapes, squares, circles, cones. And after the ink is made into these shapes, it holds the form and glistens as sort of like little little things of jello, but it's a lie. And this is all something that came out of a science. Uh, I don't know. It's a uh, it's a published research paper. It's in the early stages. The material is still in development, but the people doing this research suggest that this ink, this living ink, could be a crucial, renewable building material. And here's the creepy part. Okay, so we can make buildings, perhaps, out of this. And... The cool thing about it, it is able to grow. It's alive. It is able to grow and heal, heal itself. Like you make a house out of this and there's a crack in the ceiling, it'll heal itself. And it says here, this could be the thing that is absolutely ideal for constructing sustainable homes. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, just telling you, you could be, you could be living in a, um, if you live a long life, you could find yourself in a, in a house that glistens like jello made out of E. coli and, uh, it's alive. I'm just saying. Oh my God. And then they go on to explain how they do it. But it's made totally from E. coli. Why would they? Well, never mind. It doesn't matter. But it says here bacteria, like E. coli, might, might seem to be an unconventional thing to build a house with. But uh, the reality is, we know, the reality is that these kind of living things, microbes, are a component of products we use all the time, such as perfumes, vitamins. And science has already figured out how to engineer uh, microbes to uh, produce like biodegradable plastic. Oh, and here's like, so here's again what I, what I say about science. They never think of, yeah, well, they're all they're, they're like optimists, right? They're, they're constant optimists, like, wow, look what you can do with this. You know, you see uh, a frightening piece of uh, poisonous jello, and a scientist sees a house. And so here's one of the scientists. Imagine creating buildings that will heal 
themselves. Oh, my God. So, I think this is a long way from from happening, but they're not right now. Nowhere in this article does it say, of course, um, Dr. So-and-so pondered, I wonder what could go wrong. I mean, that's never, never part of it. Um, I thought this was done. It just keeps going. Anyway, it was in the New York Times if you want to creep yourself out or if you're the type who understands this stuff. Um. And here's the doc. Here's here's one of them saying it's hard to project into the future, but given the pace in this area of research, the future looks very bright. Oh my god! One of the guys says it'll we can put buildings on planets, other planets on the moon with this stuff. Wonderful. Leave me out. That's all I'm saying. Leave me out. I got enough stuff going on now that I can't deal with. Like leaf blowers. And they're making jello houses out of E. coli. Oh, dang it. Ah. Hey, um, you know, being here with my mom, uh, as long as I have now, I have um, seen how we all get these robocalls, right? As a matter of fact, since I've been here, I've been getting – yesterday alone, I got six calls within 45 minutes because it's logged. You can – the phone keeps a log of it from some godforsaken place in New Mexico – they called literally about every eight minutes. And obviously I never picked up. But the incessant nature of this particular character was something I had never experienced. And um, I figured out how to block that particular number fine. So an hour later, I start getting... uh, uh, calls, repeated calls from someplace in South Dakota. Now, my mom on her landline, get, this was on my cell, which is mind-blowing because it didn't used to happen, right? This on my mom's landline, her phone, 99%, and this is not surprising, of the times the phone rings, um, it is a robocall. My mom, as you know, is extremely old, and she is wired to when a phone rings, she picks up. All her life, that's what you did. Susan and I and Bill have uh, have finally gotten her to um, do that a lot less and to be more skeptical. But old people get confused, they get anxious, could be somebody, who knows, do I maybe know that number? And it occurred to me as I watched the anxiety that is produced in my mom's life by this incessant trolling of how little, speaking again of government, how little our government does to rein in this kind of intrusive, I don't know what to call it, attempts to separate us from our money. I mean, at the end of it, is even in the mail she gets, so most of the snail, snail mail is come-ons, too. It's not, you know that, and, and your come-ons and ads. And, and she reads every one of them. You know, I look at the envelope and toss them. 
she, because that's what she's done all her life, she opens them. And then she reads them. And she came in yesterday and saying, what do you think about? I think I should give to this. You know, your dad fought in World War II. And it was a come on for a museum in New Orleans. I don't know what. And the come on was my dad's name would be put on a plaque when you walked in. And she really was going to do that. I talked her out of it. I said, do it if you want. But uh, I no. And I was thinking, we don't, our government could protect old people living alone, uh, targeted by people on their telephones and through the mail. Uh, and, and they don't, you know, they believe people. And, and they don't realize how quickly um uh, I had read something last night about how we don't protect our children. We don't protect our children from uh, the come-ons they get when they're on the Internet. And kids are on the Internet at an extremely young age now. And parents aren't sitting watching everything. And there are incredible come-ons being made to our children. And there have been efforts by the federal government, well, by Democrats in the federal government, in particular uh, Senator Markey, who has tried year after year after year after year to get the government to safeguard children, to make these come-ons illegal. And don't tell me they couldn't do the same for Vulnerable old people. I don't know who said it, but I do remember once saying that you can judge a culture by simply looking at how it protects its most vulnerable. And its most vulnerable are, of course, its elderly and its children. And guys... I always thought that that was a that was a good measure, a, a fine measure, and we fail. We fail, but we go. Our government does give us these vacuum, uh, and pretty soon they'll be like robotic. There won't even be anybody making that. They'll just be these leaf gobbling robots that'll come by oh god <laughs> john wonders so can i finally eat the lead-based paint that is now flaking off my attic windows um i'm not sure i understand that but i it made me chuckle anyway i wouldn't do it i personally wouldn't do it <laughs> Lynn wants to thank me for that key fob story, my travails yesterday that had me driving over 60 miles so that I could start my goddamn car. Um, and and she says, thoroughly enjoyed the story. <laughs> I'm glad. I will suffer for you. If I, all story, you know, it is true. The best stories are usually made of somebody else's uh, pain and suffering. She says she's had her Chrysler van for 10 years and had no idea that there was a key. <laughs> there was a key hidden inside that key fob. <laughs> and she said, I told my friend who drives a newer Chevy and he found a key in his key fob too. I am so glad. See how informational this show is. I like to think that every once in a while I say something here that is uh, beneficial. <laughs> That's a riot. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I came upon two things that 
sobered me up about Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, one was a recipe for uh, cranberry and pickle pie. I kid you not. There's even a beautiful picture of it. It's a pie. The filling is is cranberry red. And scattered on top of the cranberry red are little pickle dips, slices. I don't know if they're sweet or if they're dill. Pickle and cranberry pie. Apparently, it's something that's big in Utah. I don't believe it. This is one of those things where to be skeptical is probably a really good. Are you hearing the leaf blowers? They're back. You know what they're doing? It's unbelievable. Now we got guys employed by my mother who are back cleaning up because the robot left two or three little leaves there on the edges. And they are, there is literally, and my mom gets ecstatic looking out at this leafless green expanse. I'm happy for her. For the world, I'm not so sure. I'm sorry if you can hear it. Maybe you can't. Um, <laughs> so there's been a lot of news. And un- invariably, it's uh, horrific. Okay. Okay, the, the cranberry and pickle pie was one of the things that uh, gave me pause. Somebody suggested that they recall that back in the day, uh, I used to do all, maybe even an entire show where people argued about how to cook a turkey. As a matter of fact, for years, every Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I would have as a guest the butterball turkey lady. Actually, I figured out later that later that there were a lot of butterball turkey ladies because there's no way that this one lady could have done all the interviews on all the damn shows. But the butterball turkey lady would answer all everybody's uh, questions, and you know, and it, it would yield. Yeah, we could get into a fight that lasted for a half. Not with the butterball. You never fight with the butterball turkey lady, but. We would fight amongst ourselves um, about cranberry sauce, uh, stuffing, (laughs) side dishes, whether marshmallows should ever be seen at a Thanksgiving dinner table, things like that. And and it was fun. I mean, I I always enjoyed it. And somebody suggested that I do that again this year, but I can't because that worked when I was on radio because in real time, thousands of people were listening. I don't have in real, like right now, thousands aren't listening to me. If I sometimes by the end of, uh, you know, in 24 hours, uh, it might be a thousand people. But if you're not listening in real time, you can't call up. (laughs) So, that's why what I do now is so different from radio in in that um, the real-time audience is limited, which limits the number of callers, which limits the ability to do uh, a fun kind of silly show uh, like that to give us a measure of respite from the horrors of reality. And uh, that's why I don't think I'll be able to to do that. I did bring you a cranberry and pickle pie. Uh, in my family, I think the, um, the the cranberries that we like are just the ones that that big hunk of gelled that big that comes out of a can, you know, that's all that looks like a 3D printer ink. E. coli cranberry. It looks exactly like that. That's it. Um, You know what? All families, this is where, 
like what what was so funny about these kinds of shows is that this is all there's no right or wrong although i'm not sure about cranberry and pickle pie but it's what your family does and that's where comfort food comes from Ah, Barbara says, yeah, I remember the question of mayonnaise or Miracle Whip for potato salad. That what that's the only one that ate, came close to violence. Yeah. Boy, man, people are nuts on that one. Um, that couldn't have been Thanksgiving. People don't do potato salad. What, 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 why would we have been doing that? Maybe it was some, you know, picnicky kind of holiday. It was maybe July 4th. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that got ugly. Mayo or uh, <laughs> Miracle Whip. Oh, the good old days. You never know you're in them when you're in them. You just don't. So, I have a caller. Well, how wondrous. Kurt. Hello. Oh. Hey. <laughs> How'd you know it was me? I don't know. I mean, I do know. I mean, okay. Kevin, Kevin, who's producing the show, somehow knows. Oh, okay. Well, I think make... we're starting to, ta I think they're taking names and numbers back there at City Paper. It, it's helpful to me to know. Yeah, because no, sure. he said surprised. he said I have a a caller Kurt uh, from Swissvale, and I thought, you know, what if I hated Kurt from Swissvale? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's why this is this is nice information. I, I, I could say yeah, well, I, but I don't want people to think when I don't take the call that I'm thinking, oh, I saw uh, who it was, and because no, <laughs> no, 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 because usually I don't know. No, I just say, I, they tell me you have a caller. You have a caller. For I must some be reason, a, another database. Yeah, they got your number. <laughs> All right, what's up? Oh, I don't know. I just thought I'd call. I'm making cranberry sauce as we speak, and I'm not uh -huh. doing it. I'm actually making it from scratch, and I do remember your Butterball shows. They were always kind of fun to listen to. They were just silly. But They were um, stupid. I know. I love them. <laughs> But they so were a good thing to do on Wednesday when you're getting ready for the next day. It was, it was perfect. But, so uh, are, you're responsible for doing some of the cooking for this feast. I'm cooking it all. I got a fresh turkey down you, at Woolies. I got my cranberry sauce, and I'm very traditional and boring. I make the French green bean what? casserole. I'm making pumpkin yeah. pies with the Libby recipe. I'm making a corn <laughs> souffle with cream corn, baked corn, and eggs. And uh, yeah, I got my mother-in-law making um, candied yams, so it's yeah, it's yum. Very, very oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> that that sounds so good. It really it is, it is, and it's you know it's it's nice. It, well, it makes it easier for me because I don't have to think. I mean, I'm all for yeah, the exactly. menu, but not 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 when I'm doing all this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you actually make so you get like real cranberries. I get real cranberries, and, and what do you do? It's real simple. You put in sugar and water in accordance with the recipe on the bag, and when the oh really? And you you cook them, you kind of simmer them, and when they all pop, and it's kind of fun. You can hear them pop because uh, the skin pops as they get hot, and when they're all popped, it kind of gels up a little bit, and then you just put it in the fridge, and you're done. I mean, it is. It's like making a soft boiled egg. It's about as easy as it gets. <laughs> and it's good. Well, I want. It is good. It's very good. It's it's obviously very sweet. And I got started on it because there was uh, my family's from Mill Run up around um, uh, Falling Water, and there was uh -huh. this supposedly secret place where we actually went and picked cranberries. But it's right next to well, cranberries at Laid Lake. I can't imagine it's any big secret. But, uh, but there's a place where wild cranberries grow up there near Cranberry Great Lake, and we would pick well, them. And then we, so it made it kind of special that we picked our own cranberries in the wild. And, I always so. thought that cranberries, um, a lot of cranberries come from Wisconsin, actually. And I think they like, yeah, a wetland. I think they grow in bogs. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, yeah. If they're if they're farming them, they grow in bogs. This was just sort of a meadow. And they're very close <laughs> to the ground, so you got to crawl around on your yeah. hands and knees and pick them. I and, bet. Yeah. Huh. But it's fun. So uh, all this is <clears throat> wonderful information. Are you working as we speak? I am stirring the pot as we speak. But I, I really I called because your your story about the E. coli house gave me this image of uh, David Byrne and the Talking Heads. You know them? And yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, the song, This Is Not My Beautiful House. <laughs> I'm just imagining him standing in front of this house made of shit singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, what a world. What a world. <laughs> Hey, and I, I want to tell you too. I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I had the same issue with my mother uh, years ago. She she wanted to give to everybody, and fortunately, she only gave in small amounts that she could well afford. But I, I I finally told her. I said, "Now you know I have no great fondness for the Catholic Church, but if you want to give to somebody, just give all your money to them. At least you know they're not crooked." Because I showed what? her a for cook. <laughs> well, you know. What? Not, All it'll not, go to is paying off sexual assault victims. Well, you know, not the kind of crooked that you were talking about. Okay, not where that not, Where it's not going to anything. I, I know. Well, that's what I said. I have no great fondness, but <laughs> let me say legitimate whether they're flawed or not. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so she you know, though. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking of uh, the other things I, um, after I hit the cranberry and pickle pie, um, that I saw a tweet from um, a woman, and here's what she said, and I can't even imagine this. Today, I'm going to meet my mother for the first time since I transitioned. Oh. Anxiety dialed up to 12. But being at home with family feels like the last bit of unfinished business in my coming out. And I'm thinking how when families get together for Thanksgiving, there's a lot of fraught stuff because of the political stuff. But imagine this. This is a person who's coming as a woman to meet her, for her mom to meet her for the first time. Well, hopefully it's not a surprise to everybody. Well, that's true. I mean, it didn't occur to me that she's just going to show up. I mean, that they didn't know. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, well, there are people. Cool. Let's sit down and watch Jeopardy together for a learning experience. Hey, yeah. So the Jeopardy, um, a person, recent winner on Jeopardy was a, a trans woman. She's still champion. She's up to like uh, six games and a couple hundred thousand dollars, and uh, she's doing very well. Yeah. And is it the, a big deal? Like, is it? Have they talked about the fact that she's trans? How did that get out? What is that? A, uh, why is that a, I, I haven't noticed it talked about on the show. It was a, a, a local, well, it was a Facebook kind of group post uh-huh. where the trans folks were celebrating that she was champion. She's not the first. They've had other trans players. I think she's just. Uh, First, the guy. So the first one to do so well. <laughs> oh, oh, to do so well. Okay. Yeah. Geez. Well, I, I haven't been watching Jeopardy since I've been here. So, okay. Hey, Kurt, thank you for calling. I love it. I do have one more thing, which is uh, something for you. Um, I, I, I got a while back when I got rid of my landline, something called a magic jack, which is very old technology and, People who know how to use Google Phone and things like that don't don't bother with it. But it's like thirty bucks a year, and you plug it into your uh, internet, and it gives you phone service, and you can keep your old number and all that. But the amazing thing it does is you can. And I didn't know this when I got it. I was just getting rid of it to get out of cable because we're strictly uh, antenna and um, Wi-Fi here. But um, uh, what it has. And there, this might be available other ways if you talk to people that are. It has plays a little message when you call the house. It says uh, basically, if you're a human being, press a certain number, and it, ra- it randomizes the number from one to nine. And you press three, and then you get through. And if you're not a human, 
You can't, wow. you can't figure that out. So, so we get, so it, we went yeah. from 10 calls an hour to zero because there's like two people that actually call our landline. And now the phone is quiet. Whoa. So that's something you put on the landline? Yeah, I don't understand it already. Well, you I, know, I, there's voice over internet protocol. So this is a little device that you plug into your computer and then you plug your phone into the device. So it puts puts your phone onto the internet is what it does. You're not using the copper system right. anymore, which is probably what you have if you have cable anyway. But uh, uh, so that's mm-hmm. what it does. And it just, there's a setting where you can ask it to do that. And I thought, wow, this is great. So, you know, you'll get maybe your alma mater and the museum that you gave money to because those are usually <laughs> but but not all the political robocalls and not all the yeah. all not all the junk, junk, junk. <laughs> God. It's getting, you know, really I, why why this is legal is beyond me. It's it's I gotta know. stop. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, I, and I had yeah. some of the same ones you did where I was getting Dozens in an hour, and I finally yeah. set my phone to only accept calls from contacts. And that's what you, well, I, you know what? Yeah. I had my phone on that. That's what it did. I took it off. That's what I'm going to do again. You're right. I, that's why I'm getting a proliferation anyway. I, it's ridiculous to that the you know. I thought our homes were our castles, and you can kill somebody in this country if they look cross-eyed at your castle and you feel threatened. But we get to be harassed within our homes all the time. Yeah. And the government doesn't do a damn thing about it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Hey, listen, right, I'll get, before, I'll, I'll before your cranberries start popping, although I'd love to hear that, but Okay. <laughs> They're Thank kind of, you. They're they're done. I think they've all popped, and it's now kind of a somewhat thickened, and I'm just letting it cool now. But yeah, they just kind of pop, 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 pop. That's how you know they're cooking. Jeez, <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Kurt. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Ha- happy Thanksgiving to you. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, wow. Okay. Now, Barbara says... I recently became aware of this long, longest-running experiment. It's the longest-running lab experiment called the Pitch Drop Experiment, which holds the Guinness World Record for the longest-running lab experiment. It demonstrates the fluidity and high viscosity of pitch, a derivative of tar, that is the world's thickest known fluid and was once used for waterproofing boats. And what? They're just... I, okay. Hi, <laughs> jeez. So that is something being done by some very patient scientists, right? Because it's the longest running. It could go on forever and who the heck knows. Um, trying to see what my... My time constraints are here. Uh, Let me quickly run through um, some of the things that I just grabbed, thinking they were possibly of interest. Um, Ah, this one I like. I get get stuff from Twitter. I do. I get uh, get anxiety from Twitter. I get uh, uh, anger from Twitter. And every once in a while, I get stuff that makes me laugh. And that's mostly the stuff that I, I bother to share with you. But somebody just posted this because this person, like so many right now, are actually on airplanes traveling for the holiday. And uh, it says this. A tragic airplane moment. We've been sitting on the tarmac waiting to take off for two hours. The guy in front of us fell asleep immediately after boarding. And he just woke up and started getting ready to get off the plane because he thought we'd landed. (laughs) Oh, God. He says, my wife broke the news to him. Yeah, I know you had a nice two hours sleep, but believe me. We're still where we were when you fell asleep. Oh, God. 
God. I thought that was funny for the people. Here's something, too, that I enjoyed reading about. Too bad you don't live in Ontario if, uh, in fact, you like pot. Because it turns out that Uber Uber Eats is um, in partnership with, I don't know, some company, will allow its subscribers to order marijuana in Ontario through Uber Eats uh, and uh, will deliver to their, their door. Pretty cool. Um, Ed, I don't think that picture came through. I don't know exactly. I'm getting a blank. That's probably my computer, but it didn't come through. I'm sorry. Thank you for it anyway. Um, I want to uh, note that one of our listeners, uh, Bree, in uh, Malaysia is getting his booster today. He let us know. And listen to this. He's in a country in Asia, Malaysia, where almost 96% of the adult population is fully vaccinated. Now, see... Uh-huh. We are so nowhere near that, nor will we ever be. And we got a surge going and everybody's acting like it's over and I don't get anything. And I think I'm going to go to Malaysia. Never had a sense of wanting to go to Malaysia in my life, but they must be more sane there than we are here. And another listener, Aaron, shared uh, sad news uh, with us. He's lost his dad. Well, Susan gets so mad when I say that about somebody dying. She says um, she hated it. Well, I told you this when people said, I'm so sorry that you lost your husband. And she would say, I didn't lose him. It, she took it as a sense that she had, oh, my God, I've misplaced him. I, uh, I, If I'd only been more vigilant, I wouldn't have lost him, but I lost him. Um, but Aaron uh, wanted to share a sense of his dad, 75 years old, Robert Emmett Cockcroft. Great name. Butler High School. Served in Vietnam. And uh, a proud veteran. And um, he was a talk show listener. So he told me that his dad used to listen to me. Not just me. He listened to the whole panoply available. He listened to Fred Hansberger. He listened to Doug and Scott Shalloway and Jane Nugent. So he was listening to every, he he really liked it. Unfortunately, he did have Fox News on in his adulthood. But Aaron tells us he he prided himself on checking NPR and the BBC <laughs> and other other sources. Uh, Aaron says he was one of of the conservative baby boomers that were not radicalized. So he didn't. Oh, they were not radicalized at the time, or didn't become radicalized as a Republican. And Aaron says I'm one of the LGBTQ whatevers, and it never ever mattered to him. So. That's wonderful. He sent some pictures. Dad was a handsome man. Um, And uh, his little goofy dog, his father's dog, 
whose name was Zeus. And then I, his name is Zeus. And I saw a picture of him. He's this tiny little thing. So that's funny. Anyway, um, he hoped I would share a little bit of the obit and I will, I will share this. I don't have any other obits today. He was a friend to everyone he met, could always be counted on to bring cheer to anyone's day with his bright smile and charm. There was nothing he couldn't accomplish through hard work and determination. He was able to repair anything from broken cars to broken hearts, everything in between. He shared skills and knowledge with his friends and family and was truly a mentor by nature. He was a true sailor a great human being, and an even better pap. Well, I'm sorry you lost him. I'm glad I was able to give him some airtime. Robert Emmett Cockroft, who I obviously failed to make into a liberal if he listened to me, but Aaron says he liked me anyway. Oh, geez. Life's tough. Also want to get in here. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place now. I'm just, or the, this is like, I feel like the uh, that thing that just hosed up all the uh, the leaves outside. I'm, I'm just sort of like <laughs> vacuuming up all. <laughs> I shouldn't have made that noise. I made, <laughs> geez. Um. Okay, uh, just want to mention this because I think it's so cool, <laughs> and I didn't know, but Jonathan writes that I had mentioned uh, Pitt football uh, the other day and how they are they got a really good team and some extraordinary players who are clearly going to the NFL. And uh, Jonathan wanted me to give a shout out to the Pitt women's volleyball team. They're ranked number three in the nation. They're 24 and two. And today they're playing the number one team, uh-oh, which is Louisville. Uh, so send out some good vibes to the Pitt women. Number three playing number one. Number one's undefeated. Um, anyway, he says they're terrific athletes and really, really Good. Wishes everybody a happy Thanksgiving, too. Uh, a few things I saw that um, I was glad to see uh, that uh, at this trial, uh, civil trial in uh, Ohio, where yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know a number of cities and states and counties have brought lawsuits against uh, the opioid makers and in some cases have brought cases against the drug stores that did nothing when they saw this, you know, lines outside and people filling and refilling and filling, you know, this, this, this specifically Oxycontin, but, but others as, as well. And, uh, the, those, uh, those drugstores just, uh, pocketed, the the money, although they had to know it had to raise every red flag that something was amiss. And, uh, I was thrilled to see that a federal, uh, jury in Cleveland yesterday, uh, that CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens substantially contributed to the crisis of opioid overdoses and deaths. CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens. I wish this were a criminal trial because they're saying they killed people. But this is the first time 
that the in this opioid unbelievable story that is still continuing. This is the first time that the pharmacies have been found liable. And because this was brought just by two counties in uh, Ohio, not sure which ones, uh, a judge will now, with the guilty verdict, will determine how much Walgreens, CVS, and uh, Walmart have to pay to those counties. So it says this is the first verdict from a jury in an opioid case. Um, and a lot of these other ca cases in the past have not been successful. Um, oh, it's Lake and Trumbull counties. Not far from Pittsburgh, northeastern Ohio. And the jury agreed that all of these big, 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 big re retail pharmaceutical chains, uh, drug chain, store chains, that they, they willfully decided not to see what they clearly were seeing about suspicious opioid orders, uh, all kinds of all kinds of stuff that was abnormal and but for them highly lucrative. You know, I've been watching that um what's it called? Uh you know me, I can't do uh titles ever. I want to say it's called overdose, but that can't be it. That um, Michael Keaton uh, playing a, a, a doctor, and it's about specifically zeroes in on uh, the Sackler family and um, and and their guilt in 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 I mean countless deaths and destructions of, of communities and and are the Sacklers in jail? No. But good for this jury, because the fact is, is CBS and Walgreens and Walmart made money with every death-dealing pill they happily gave out. And they made a calculation, because if they had refused to fill, fill these prescriptions, they wouldn't have made any money. But they decided they'd make money. And pharmacists are gatekeepers And here the gates were just thrown open. And my guess is that would be a corporate decision because I cannot believe that at some point some pharmacist or any of those three huge uh, corporations didn't say, hey, we got a problem here. I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. In the in the series that I was been watching with Michael Keaton about this. They show people standing in line outside of the drugstore. People in line, clearly, some of them with the shakes needing their next. And one after the other goes in and the pharmacist fills it. Here you go. Here you go. And people actually would run out and immediately um, – some of them would snort the stuff, turn it into powder, and some of them would OD in the parking lots. The par it, it's beyond belief, really. Uh, oh, wow. Ed's pictures just came through. Oh, my God, is that beautiful. It's somebody who has taken the leaves that have fallen in their yard and raked them or formed them into, like, beautiful art. 
into spiral, uh, just gorgeous art. Now, you'd have to be willing to see it blow away because it would. But what a delightful, joyous, wondrous thing that is. God bless people willing to have that, put that much work into something that they know cannot survive. And that might, in fact, be gone the next hour. It's like those amazing sand sculptures that some people do and then immediately let go. Is that a very, like, sort of Buddhist kind of thing to do, a Zen kind of thing to do? I don't know. Oh, God, those are beautiful, Ed. Thank you for for trying again to get those through to me. Gosh, that was beautiful. Just beautiful. Wow. Yeah, and it ain't going to last. That's okay. Love it. Love it. Um, I saw a um, headline in uh, the Pittsburgh paper today that said, unite the right to pay $26 million in damages. Now, I just finished a story about a fe- another uh, jury uh, in regard to the opioid uh, crisis. And it is true that CVS and Walgreens and Walmart uh, have the money, whatever that money will be, and they're going to have to pay up. But this headline is wrong because unite the right, the right, the fascists, the unbelievable white nationalist anti-Semites, despicable human beings, Oh, I'm sorry. Very fine. Very fine people, according to our last president. Very fine people. Uh, The jury there in Charlottesville said that they were, in fact, these uh, individual defendants and the organizations that brought all the joys of uh, Charlottesville and Jews will not replace us, and the death of Heather Heyer, and and the wounding of other people. Um, They said they are liable for all of the suffering that occurred, and they're going to have to pay up 26 mil to the victims. But none of the people have 26 mil. They don't even have maybe 26 thou. And so that's why I take issue with this headline, Post-Gazette, not a good headline. Unite the right to pay $26 million in damages. No, they won't because they can't. And that's why this is a, It's a victory because they've been held liable, but none of those people has that money. In fact, some of them are flat out destitute as they should be. They're a bunch of losers. Well, I'll tell you what. I got through some of that stuff, but not everything. And I wanted to, um, because I see our time is up, I wanted to say um, how much I do hope that you have a nice holiday. And I'm aware when I say that, that some people might not have any place to go. And I hope you're able to find uh, uh, solace and, and, and joy in something, uh, whether a book or um, no, a bird singing outside your window, I wish you a, a, a good holiday, all of you. And uh, I will be back in Pittsburgh uh, on Monday. Everything goes as planned. And uh, I'll probably be pretty exhausted and uh, j- gibbering. But uh, We'll we'll be back home uh, on on Monday, and I'll look forward to that. So have a have a have a good one.
and a safe one. Be smart. Keep being smart. I know you're smart. As you listen to me. <laughs> okay. I love you all. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.